Welcome back to What Have You. I'm Rachel Jankovic. I'm Becca Merkel. And, drum roll. I'm in the back seat. I'm <laughs> it's our brother. I've invited myself onto What Have You. Yes. It's good he did. We. This is the... Uh, Really, it's a bit we should, of a carjacking, actually. To throw know, back to childhood, all three of us should have been in the back seat instead <laughs> know, of. But Nate's you know. kind of stuck behind, in front of, actually, not behind, uh, a bunch of skis. The ends of skis are stabbing his neck. My daughter's ski trip over the weekend. The skis and I Grab are it. in the back seat. <laughs> so. Uh, never mind. And Nate's getting other Excuse phone calls. Me. He's just. He and came on our show, but he didn't mute his phone. He didn't. Get... <laughs> he knew we were so Should I take polished. The call? Yeah, for sure. Um, so the reason that we are having Nate on the show, we could have come up with all kinds of reasons. Yeah, to have him right. on the show. Our, I feel like now we need to introduce you, and that's very difficult to do as a sister. Our brother is an author. We've had and, him on before. Yeah, I know, but before. we can't. It's been a, quite a while, a couple it was from years. A brain tumor. Yeah, yeah, I know. So it was. I'm feeling like what you should know Have is we that we've been doing this that long. Yes, somebody sent me one time a question about who is this author Andy Wilson and or Andy like they were <laughs> googling trying to find it and they realized we'd said Andy as though it was yeah. Andy. But this is our brother Nate. He has a lot of kids, kids, young adult books is that what they are technically? they're middle grade technically middle, middle grade. grade they're great books my kids i think would probably own like 50 different copies of all of your books because i probably. buy them every time i see them <laughs> anywhere else because uh, so they get left outside in the mud that does happen sometimes We're, we've got some pretty beater tattered <laughs> yeah, copies but i that. you know what i saved one page fell out and you had you had given my kids an advance. Yeah, ours fell apart on that one, too. Uh, well, not the spiral one. It was an advance yeah. copy, but you wrote in it because we were driving to Holland from England. And you wrote something about to, you know, mm. make the drive to Holland more fun. Anyway, and uh, that page is loose in the world. So I, <laughs> I have it saved just as a one-page piece that is sort of... Right, so Nate is a man of many endeavors a man with a lot of interests in life and the reason that we're having him here is one of his uh more re well is it more recent riot in the dance yeah, well, it's, it's a nature it's, it's documentary up, it's actually upcoming it's not even more recent well but your the original one already happened yeah the, so riot in the dance one came out a while ago and riot in the dance water the follow-up is coming up in march and it is the most recent of our motion picture shows and we are very excited to push it to Christian families. So I invited myself here today <laughs> to talk about Ryan the Dance 2, nature, critters, being outside, and our own Uncle Gordon. The Uncle yeah, Gordon that so we all the, share. The feature, the lead, what it, I mean, in these, the guy, the tour yeah. guide is our Uncle Gordon. Yep. Who? Dr. G, according to many. Around really? the world now. Really? Yep. And he is, uh, we, when funny. we grew up, he was the guy who would take us out chasing snakes and frogs and turtles and everything else. He was the, he was the, the curator of natural revelation. Whereas our family was very much a family of books and it was very much a library and the word, the written word, and it was all a blast and lots of fun. Uncle Gordon being dad's little brother. He was the one who got us outside and playing with snakes and well, you know what I remember. I wouldn't that say he, he would. Well, because my kindergarten teacher 
was yeah. the woman he eventually married, but they weren't married yet. And she was um, my kindergarten teacher, and I remember Uncle Gordon would come in and show us snakes. So he would bring snakes yeah. in, or he would lend them to the class so we could have one in the class. And inevitably, they would always get loose. And there would be announcements about there's a snake loose in the building. <laughs> always, then, always a snake. And then they would snake. always end up found dead in the sanctuary. <laughs> which is or at kind least of, once, which became always no, in your it was it was a thing. It was like it was symbolic. <laughs> they would go into they the sanctuary like the and they would, die. they would die of the sheer holiness. <laughs> well, yes. we uh... And we actually, I had Aunt Meredith was my kindergarten teacher as well. So in bringing the whole thing weirdly full circle, the woman who taught me to read was Aunt Meredith who ended up yep. marrying Uncle Gordon who was Mr. Snake. Uh, yep. In his own way. So I remember, because of Uncle Gordon, I remember as a little kid, I did not have any fear of snakes or no. anything. I developed that later in life. <laughs> I'm I'm not afraid of them, but I I the fact that I can remember holding his rubber boas yeah. and having it like go up your shirt sleeve and down like I was a little kid yeah. with a snake. Like I remember standing there with a snake trolling down your back to come out the other side of your shirt yep. and having that not stressing me out but when I think about that now I think I don't I would not be nearly as cool about that as my child self well, luck, luckily the right and the dance is not just about having snakes down your shirt no but it's, praise um, the lord that it, there's yes. but the, one of the reasons why I really wanted to make these movies is because that experience with Uncle Gordon that we had was so formative and important and right. essential in the way we view the world as God's creation, the way we relate to it, the way we relate to all of it, from the little bugs to the big creatures to the weather. Um, you know, we really wanted to give that to as many other kids as possible. Right. You know, making Dr. G everybody's Uncle Gordon is kind yeah. of a high goal of mine. But well, also, we just have so many so many Christian families who are terrified of the sciences and for a, a kid to love the natural world is immediately scary because it's so dominated by the priesthood of unbelief sort of a pagan interest yeah. like yeah. if you if you are interested in this and you're kind of you're Suspect. getting into the bad shoot yeah. down to, to so um, if somebody loves dinosaurs for example we all know to immediately be like uh oh here we go here come all the evil lies yeah. And if we go any anywhere, and if, if well, people I love say, hummingbirds, critters, they love creatures, they want to get in the sciences, it doesn't matter that God made them all. It doesn't matter that God loves them all and that he's revealing his personality. They've been tainted by the yeah. pompous priests that tell us yeah. where they came from and what they're yeah. for. And so yeah. you can't turn on a BBC documentary and marvel at these beautiful things they filmed without sitting there listening to like you have straight to, up blasphemy. You have to be there with your kids to be like see how that's dumb or no with our with our kids now whales did not actually come from cows yeah they did not contrary actually contrary to popular opinion <laughs> cows did not walk back into the water and say let's become rhinormous and not have legs and learn to sing it's funny and it's... spout water out of our backs I was gonna say <laughs> do that... we think I mean do people oh yeah that, no, that's the that's... official the official oh. word what <laughs> Why did they walk back in the water? Well, because they're they're mammals, they, they right? They were land born. All of all they of the mammals. They were land born, but then no, they but went back. All, so the the theory goes that everything that's a mammal in the water mm -hmm. had to have left the water as a fish, evolved oh. into creatures on the land, and then become, gone back. become a mammal, become a lactating mammal. Yeah. With you know 
placental from a, birth. From a fish. Yeah, placental yeah. birth, lactation, all that stuff. I then said, you know what? <laughs> I want a ton of shrimp. I just love the shrimps. And so <laughs> Let's they, figure out how to breathe underwater. So, you- like, the, the, but the narrative, like, the, the point is you can't, if a kid loves spinner dolphins or sharks or they love to see that stuff, and they should because God made it all. That's a good impulse That's a to want to look at it. That's a great thing to want to look at God's handiwork. God tells us to. The book of Job tells us to. You know, our assignment as all the Psalms, Genesis, the whole point. Consider the work of your hands. Like, look at all of this. And yet, when we, you know, when our kids are going to do that, they are going to encounter more lies than they will in almost any other area. It's like we've, it's like we've let atheists do all of our Bible translation. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. we have special revelation, then we have natural revelation, and we've just said, hey, could you guys handle all up? the natural revelation for us? <laughs> that would be great. Let us know how your exegesis is. I should pans say out. that as a, as a mother, I do not, um, I am not afraid of my kids being interested in science things. But we don't, for instance, I would not just purchase a book on dinosaurs. Yeah, for the little kids because you're like so there's a well established thing in our house that is like you know if there's something super stupid in this book you could like tell me about it we'll talk about it because there's there's just like so much weird nonsense or what was the hilarious time that you had with Rory in the what museum was it where Rory was getting the giggles in a very serious time the natural history museum in New York City and I had taken him with me and he was uh, on a trip out there and he was 10 and we were walking through looking at all these amazing fossils of these amazing creatures these giant skeletons and there was this one slab of fossil that was this tangled mat of skeletons from hundreds and hundreds of animals in one block and there was a plaque under it that said basically <laughs> the only way we can explain this is that once there was a watering hole <laughs> And over <laughs> over centuries of drought, animals came to this historically known watering hole and they lay down on top of each other and died of thirst. And then what? there was a f- what? wait. And then there was a because, It's because of how a, many. Yeah, but it went. But it was known to be one. And then it dried up in the drought, and they kept going there and dying. Oh, anyway. they kept telling their children. Their family yeah. legend was: if you go there, then there will be water. But then, by the time yes. they get there, they die of thirst. Oh. On so top they kept of one dying another. of thirst on top of each other. Okay, like just and sort then, of self tetrising Yes, exactly. Into like, and then finally there was block. There was a big. The drought ended, and there was a giant, you know, highly localized flood. But giant, giant, really big one, and it suddenly just swept up these many, many hundreds of creatures that had died on top of each other and pressed them into the mud and fossilized (laughs) it all into one little, you know, segment that could show up in a museum in New York. And Rory read this black, and he became ill with humor. I mean, he laughed himself silly, and we're in this these, these hallowed marble hallways, and he was having himself. He's like, I'm the, the kid from Idaho. Yeah. And I feel I have fine come to New York. saying this is the dumbest plaque I ever yeah. read in all my birthdays. And birth he days. got himself, I mean, he was sniffing and wheezing and crying and laughing his head off at the sheer likelihood of, of this explanation. And we were we were catching many, uh, many a glance, 
many in a scant book this particular area of the museum was very very solemn and very very <laughs> yeah. quiet it was like a library it's a holy of holies there's and, some like some yeah. incense burning and so he was the ill-behaved child who would not <laughs> stop laughing and, he, and the, we kept going through the rest of the museum and he kept getting re-tickled thinking back and having himself another laugh and we had to go back through he wanted to see it again before we I left. actually have to say though that I think that this brings up something that's that is well two things. One is that thinking that the what the world is doing in their uh, origin stories is actually worth just laughing at. Like no. yes, it's shameful and it's disregarding God's word, but more than that, it's just incredibly lame. Like yeah. it is like what you have come up with here does not hold together. I just think as a creation myth, it's not even a good one. No. Mm-mm. But the thing is, is um, there have been many better ones. You have, I the remember, the Norse and the Apache. I think both I <laughs> did better. But, but you, I remember years and years ago, and I don't know if this was like a serious desire that you had, or if it was just you, you know, saying, "Wouldn't it be funny if?" I remember you saying it would be great if there were Christian museums of natural history. Oh, yeah. Where the atheist kids weren't allowed to go because of the plaques, or if you oh, yeah. know what I mean, where it's no, like, something I still want to do. If the well, teachers, it's kind of right in the dance. Is yeah, the, but it's sort like, of thing if that the teachers uh, taking their classes through the museum had to say, "Now this isn't true, children. We don't believe this." The first time because we were filming, when we were filming right in the dance one, I had a, a woman, an official uh, employee of the state of Arizona interrupted a shot like walked in between the camera and Gordon to interrupt us to say that we were incorrect this is not we're not allowed to say that that's wrong because he referred to javelina as as pigs <laughs> and in there like they're little piggies these are little piggies and yes they're new world pigs they're not old world old, old world pigs but they got little piggy noses <laughs> and little piggy feet and they snort and, <laughs> and yeah they're not like what we think of when we think of pigs but she was interrupting us, just having, just being there as a park ranger, was stepping in front of the camera, refusing to let us get the shot. Like, no, you may not. That is blasphemy to refer to these as pigs. And she said, horses are closer to cows than these javelina. Apparently, than these javelina are to yes, than these javelina are to uh, pigs. Like, well. Except for the piggy noses and the piggy feet <laughs> and the whole their, piggy demeanor. Except for the... <laughs> <laughs> but it's... But, and it's like, no, I'm not saying that they were an offshoot. I like... it's. I'm just saying they got piggy noses, so we're going to call them pigs. <laughs> you know, because we're naming them. We have the right to name these things. And we can do that without saying that they descended from one another. But yeah. it's... Anyway, the whole, the whole point of Riot in the Dance is to get around the world and film these creatures and do it in a way that honors and glorifies God. And it's amazingly striking. And it's not sour-faced arguing no. with with people who believe no. in evolution. It's actually just pretending that that's not even there no. and we're just looking at the this beauty is not, of the it's world. It's not a debate. This, these are not debate movies. These are yeah. movies that are designed to feed and reinforce faith. And right. they're designed to celebrate God's natural revelation, his creation, and to glorify him through it. And we're not even bothering with the now children. Uh-huh. You know, modern scientists would tell you uh, we're not even doing that. We're just we're getting right into because the celebration of God's work. Who gives a rip what the modern <laughs> scientists well, would a lot tell of you at this time? Need to, but now at we the will same say, time... no, admittedly, we will say things like scientists told us that sharks will submit to us in the water if they think we're bigger, meaner sharks, and that's their theory. Because eye contact, there's a whole section of the film where we 
learned that if you make aggressive eye contact with sharks in the water, they respond weirdly, submissively to it. Uh, it turns out that's true. I've experienced it. It's nuts. But they were telling us it's because we seem to be bigger, meaner, dominant sharks. Uh, they're not that stupid. When you look at the footage, we're these flailing, pale, you know, very tasty-looking objects. And Genesis 9, the dread of man, explains it far more than any kind of mistake that they might think I'm a killer whale. Or they might think that maybe they think I'm a tiger shark as I, as I flail helplessly up here above them on the surface of the water. You know, we're talking about these fish with electroreceptors where they can perceive a disturbance in the water miles away. Really? And they can tell what it is. They know what kind of fish it is. Oh, no. Really? And, oh, yeah. And that's, then we watch a, a leaf. a little too knowledgeable for yeah. my taste. So then you have a leaf lands on the surface of the water when we were with them. And every shark went over and checked it out. They all became aware that something had landed hmm. over there. And it was a leaf. And all of them went over and looked at it and left. And like, and here I am spazzing out with fins <laughs> and a snorkel. And I think that maybe I'm seeming as sleek and torpedo-like as, as one yeah, of these things. Somehow no. you didn't think you no. were bringing that kind of no, shock and they, awe to the look, shark yeah, world. Looking back at the footage afterwards, I thought, yeah, we didn't fool anybody. There <laughs> yeah. was no, Genesis 9 was the only explanation. But it is, we really, I wanted to come on here and invite myself on here because we want to kind of spread the word about these group showings we're doing. Uh, we we want to make the movie. We've made the movie available to churches and schools and homeschool co-ops uh, for showings from March sixth to March to May fifth. You know, people can sign up for group showings. They can do it as fundraisers. You can sell tickets and keep all the money uh, to raise money for something, uh, anything, or you can make it not you know nonprofit and it's just an outreach event. Uh, it's do you just, keep the movie too? How does that work? Well, we so what we do is if a group signs up, a church, um, a school. Uh, you know, classical conversations community or a co-op when they sign up, they get a bunch of stuff, you know, coloring books for kids and things like that. Okay. Plus a display copy okay. of, you know, a display copy, a display copy of the movie. Okay. And it's a public display copy. So it's not one of those movies. that has got an FBI warning in the front. It's a movie that says you may show this to as many people as you want for as much money as you want. Okay. Be for two months. You know, okay. Like that's, that's it. And then afterwards you can keep the desk. It's, it's okay. just a personal copy. Got it. Uh, but so that's what we're pushing and we want to make sure that that schools and co-ops and churches all get the word okay. that they actually all hear about it when the first movie came out we were on 1100 theaters and afterwards the biggest thing I heard from people was we loved it and right behind it almost tied was we couldn't see it it didn't come to us right and so we want to make sure that this movie can go wherever people want. This is want a new it. approach. Yeah, we're trying something completely new. What about this movie can be can be on any screen near you that you want it to be on. Well, how about overseas? Absolutely. Okay. The disc is territory free. We've already got people doing it in Australia and England and other places. It's so fun. Although we should just say as a side note to foreign listeners, foreign meaning English. Sure. Spazzing out is not rude. Here. Uh, <laughs> I think we learned that one time. Actually, it, 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 uh, it is, and I meant it that way. No! no. <laughs> no he I, did not mean that. No. Not we, really. That um, sometimes just, these things happen. But, so they can get the, a copy of the Yeah, so disc. if you go to, if you go to riotinthedance.com, uh, there's a family pay-per-view option, but what we're really trying to push is these group showings. I think that's going to be fun. So, I, I need to get my head around the details but i think it'd be fun to host a showing and 
and do a party along, oh, yeah, like great. host a showing. Maybe we need what have you listeners to to contribute their own uh, hospitality plans for doing a showing. <laughs> what are you gonna do? What is that underwater blue jello scene? You know, there's I've done that in my life before with little <laughs> sharks embedded in blue jello in, in solo cups. I mean, there's something, yep. there's a lot of things I'd rather eat. So, but what's I think your, some of the younger I'm, customers? I, I guarantee you, there's people who are going to be doing showings in swimming pools with oh, yeah. people in floaties watching oh, the whole movie. Oh, my word. Yeah, that's so a good idea. We have, it's, if only I had a swimming pool. Only, Anybody, any, it's, it's 195 bucks for a group showing thing. Which means like we're trying to push it to churches and schools where that's an easy cost to defray, right? Uh, across you know across tickets or across families chipping in. Um, well, basically, the reality the, the goal is, is us just, taking our kids yeah. to the theater is like a oh, yeah. million dollars. So basically, and that's actually when we did the last one, theaters kept seventy five percent of the ticket price. Of mm. um, you know like just yeah, it's just craziness. So we want to make more, and we want to keep doing this. But more importantly, we actually want the ones we have made to get out to there. get everywhere, to get to the people who want them. So, what's your favorite? What was your favorite part of making that movie? Like, is that is it sharks? Was that the highlight? Sharks was pretty cool. I really liked the humpback whales. Manatees kind of blew my mind. Uh, they're just funny. Just seeing the personality of creatures. That the creatures have really clear personalities. Anybody who's ever had a pet knows that. Mm-hmm. But when you see it in the wild, mm-hmm. it's weird. And you think how funny it is that, that God knows them all so yeah. well and he knows... And, and Well, for just even anemones, like these little gelatinous things that are not plants. You know, it's like these are these are animals, as is coral. Coral is also animalian. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not a it's not a fungus. It's it's not a plant. It's just this weird thing that God's done under there. But anemones have personalities. What was it? And they can test that. Like the anemones, like anemones will fight each other for territory, and the biggest one does not always win. And that's like the way they so know some of them like are chicken. Some of them are are little courageous anemones <laughs> that battle off bigger ones for their piece of rock. And they're, they're basically <laughs> jelly. Like- they don't even have brains. They have, they've got like these little ganglion things that can fire off. Do you off. remember, I'm feeling the need to say this, that in our childhood, I would say it was our early teen years, but I might be wrong. We are, the three of us are two years, we're each two years apart. Yeah. Four years spread. And, but the time when we first encountered the battle of the ants, mm. and we spent a shocking amount of time trying to evaluate what are they fighting over i still do this it's, I, it's still fascinating I can't, oh yeah I you can't. get but we found an ant battle on the crack of a sidewalk they're like always on waging roar in the crack no, of a sidewalk I think, I think cracks matter deeply to ants because <laughs> they're oh yes. always over a like crack what is in it sidewalk? do you think it's like um like the panama canal like this like is a really important yeah. place that we need to fight about but there's a spot in my garden that we'll they, that they just, fight over but it's the edges of the yeah. brick so it's Think like about it's how a big dangerous deal. it is for an ant to cross cross a sidewalk. Yeah, maybe the cracks are. <laughs> I mean, like, crossing a sidewalk for an ant is it's deadly. That's deadly. right there. Well, see, we the I just remember us useful. being very entertained by like you get up close, and I also remember when we went together in the micro theater to microcosmos. Yeah, and that that was a really 
that was a great film in a lot of ways yeah. because that one had no talking. It it just yep. did the just bugs. Uh, it was just bugs. Did it? Did they not talk? I remember the no. There was the the operatic opening, stuff. The Lots opening was a song of "Open Your Eyes Before You Die." Yep. And then, but we loved that together, and we got really involved in like the hard times the dung beetle was having when he <laughs> kept losing it. And I, but I think, I guess what I was going to say is we watched a lot of nature documentaries. And all of them, you know, we could sit there and, and watch the animals and love what they were doing and relate to them. And then somebody would come on and explain an exact untruth about the, <laughs> about the whole about the whole situation. I mean, when I met my wife in 2000, so in, true. in the year 2000, when I first met Heather, and she was asking me what I wanted to do, and I'm like, it was like, well, I didn't have anything I wanted to be. I just had lots of things I wanted to do. And one of them on the list then was I want to make nature documentaries. Mm-hmm. And part I of that, remember that, I want to get from nature documentaries to museums, zoos, like down Yeah, the line, I remember that. Where you have, yeah, where you, you have that. You remember him wanting a reptile house. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. This is, oh, our brother, this is our brother who has a few head of cattle of tortoises at his house. <laughs> And yes. it has to treat them like cattle because they're having to graze in different areas and be. They have their own wee barn at the moment. Yeah, I know pretty... the the tortoise barn that gets put up in Nate's house. But the long term plan is like a reptile house. Yep. And and I actually what you were saying about the personality of animals when we went to the Boise Zoo when we were there for state track meet. The animal that most took my breath away of all of them was the and I'm going to say it wrong the capybaras. Is oh yeah. That how you say it? Oh yeah. They were so the giant rodents, so oh, ludicrous and hilarious, and so are they from Brazil? Why did I think that that was like an well, Australian that, thing? No, they're uh, they get eaten by anaconda. They're like the favorite anaconda snack. Oh dear! But they're unattractive as all get out, but very <laughs> funny. But like they're well, they were kind of. It's not that they're ugly. It was ugly that one of their main features is that they go to the bathroom in their water. Like, that it was like, here's one of the big things we know about the capybaras. <laughs> oh, no. But otherwise, they're just these True big... Fat, yeah. It looked like a guinea pig gone wild. Well, like it is. Just, That's exactly what it is. Well, yeah, but I giant, like the lady yeah. at the Arizona State Park and careful with my yes. categories. But it just looked like an enormous guinea Don't pig. Don't call a guinea pig a pig, please. They're not. Yeah, well. They're not pigs. Guinea piglets. Oh, guinea piglets. <laughs> guinea piggies. The, the capybaras are... It's kind of funny to me when you look around the world and you see the way... God balances things out because in the southeastern U.S. and and the southwestern U.S., all these different snakes that eat rodents. They primarily eat rodents, some that eat lizards. You go down to South America where you have a ginormous snake, <laughs> and guess what he gives them? A ginormous rodent. So the only place in the Let's world that's got Let's do this same thing a snake, on a larger yeah, scale. Yeah, I'm going to take this, this, you know, the equivalent of a... Our little yeah. garter snakes with yeah. little baby mice. And yeah, we'll, we're going to have a garter yeah. snake scarfing baby mice in the, in the wheat fields of Idaho. We're going to go down to South America, and I'm going to give you a rodent that's as heavy as some cows. An R-O-U-S. But don't worry. I will match it with, An enormous with something snake. that badly wants to swallow it whole and can. It's so, so amazing. It is It is really bizarre. I think in the, in the filming, one of the things I loved the most is going to be, I think, kind of wildly popular among children and a little nerve-wracking for for mothers in particular is the water beetle which in god's amusement and the way he designs everything (laughs) frogs eat thousands and thousands and thousands of insects you know 
that's how they get her that's how they get by they scarf all the insects mm-hmm. and then there's one insect that eats frogs no and when you have an insect that eats frogs you're dealing with an insect that people don't want to think about yeah yeah and it's me. but it's, it's pretty neat looking and it's amazing and it has these rodeos where it gets on this frog it grabs a frog but it can't really it's not big enough to eat a frog truly instead it drinks it no. And so, uh, it, a frog. Think of a frog as like a juice box. Nappy. A frog. A frog is a Capri Sun. <laughs> and these are creatures that are just in every old pond. They're just there's an insect that does this that will eat frogs. And meanwhile, every frog is it bigger than a frog? It can be, yeah, but it doesn't need to be. Yeah. So it's the equivalent. It can eat something I think up to fifty times its size. Oh no. So. And it just it's just down there doing work, just doing the thing. It doesn't it doesn't know about the rest of the world it's just in a murky little cow pond where god put it and as far as it knows it's supposed to hang on to a blade of grass and wait for a frog to swim by at which point it should drink it oh and that's don't they they like inject it with something that dissolves the inside of the frog yeah so it's like a it's like a spider um but it's it just it shoots them up with an anesthetic that kind of just puts them into shock and then liquefies them and then they slurp it out and and throw off the the skin like oh. it's a capri sun baggie oh. so it's oh. and it's re- it's remarkable and it's and the thing is like as we've screened it as we've screened it it's like the single most popular thing with kids and they're just like what you know this is this is wild and exciting and with moms it's like are we sure this is appropriate? This, this is seems like well, bad. take it up with God, yeah. <laughs> because you know that's, that's the way it works. There's actually quite a bit in the natural world that, in the in the flesh, you can be tempted. I think you make this point, and where do you make this point, Nate? Is this in Ryan the Dance, the first one, about Tilt-a-roll. how many kinds of spiders there are, or whatever? That like to be a Christian who yeah. just won't abide by the reality that God made spiders. It's right. like so as a mother I actually do I actually talk about it a lot at homeschooling conventions. Oh, where okay. and it's in Tilt World and it shows up okay. in Riot One where we as Christians we are supposed to be trying to be more like God. Right. And we all know that. Like we can all say that. Mm-hmm. But then God says, I love spiders. And, and we say, say Can't go with you there. We say, no. <laughs> no. I will but, not even I, I will not know. even look at one. I will not I will not <laughs> take it away. Okay, take but, it away. Take it away from me. How do you God. know? You have to know just do you think that God that I, I will mean, say he does not necessarily love them in your bathroom or in your shower. Yeah, or I think but don't you think that God might also delight in shocking his children with oh, yeah. things? Because no, you 100%. think like, Do you remember you remember Chapa's Chapa's story of walking in the rainforest yeah. in Africa. I remember, this is a story I remember as, learn hearing as a child, so I should yeah. probably ask him to tell it to me again, because it's been 30 years since <laughs> I heard it. But that he rounded the corner and stuck his face in the abdomen of one of those like, bird-eating spiders yeah, that are so big. A... that And that his story was that he leapt back and then hacked the entire thing to smithereens with a machete like yeah. in a total frantic panic of yeah. what have I stuck my face in right now well the thing is we're, the also God tells us a lot with his design so if you there's a lot of ob, there's a lot of objectivity built into aesthetics and right. you see a spider they're meant to be and it's meant like the way it's designed and the way it's structured and the way it feeds and the way it, it builds its its you know its webs 
all of that is telling us something about what yeah. God wants it to be like. We're not supposed to look at that and think we're looking at a bunny rabbit. Yeah. We're looking at two different things. We're supposed right. to react to them differently. But we have to be willing to marvel. Yeah. You know, because just as easily in Job, God could have said, did you teach the spider to to spin? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, did you... And, no, and, and the, the and ability to shocking. spin silk, the strongest organic material on the planet... Right. Out of its rear end and then to slurp it back in again. It's like, what? What is this nonsense? <laughs> they do? Oh, no, yeah. They've got all these little spinners. It's a whole thing. It's like, it's not It's not their rear end the way we think of rear ends. There's there's a whole loom going on. And it's it's bizarre. And the way they can pull it back and use it and reuse it. I and, didn't know that part. And that you have webs across rivers that are 60 feet wide. Oh you know, Lord. they're, they're catching things it's so, like that's God so wants crazy. the bug population controlled and he came up with something <laughs> fantastic <laughs> and we should be able to appreciate it, but to appreciate it the way he wants us to. And there's so many moms of kids who are a, they can, they can be suspicious of the evolutionary dogma that's everywhere and they should be, but they also just have decided to say, I don't like what God's done. Right. And they just openly say that about anything. Yeah. Spiders, they feel free to say, oh, I hate those. Like, well, really? I feel well, comfortable. You should, you I feel deal comfortable with not deal loving with a, a spider. But I also... You should love a spider in cautious. its place. I am cautious in From the afar. way I would speak about it. One time we had a big spider in our, in our um, front yard. I do not indulge my fear of things like that. And since having kids, I had to be much more aware of not wanting to pass on like if I dislike it I don't want to make my children yeah. afraid of things because I don't care for it or like if yeah. I you oh, know sure. I'm like I'm not going to pass on my feelings here uh, but I we got home from somewhere and this is rare here because Idaho doesn't have a lot of women well, we have spiders but we don't have real big yeah. you know we don't we're not the land of scorpions right, and stuff no. We were driving down the street, and as we started to turn into our driveway, Luke was like, what is that? You could see walking on our driveway, like, something that was bigger than it ought to have been. <laughs> and we pulled in and got out, and it was, we as we found out later, uh, what's called a California trapdoor spider. Yeah. I've lived here my whole life, and I've never seen one. So they're Otherwise not... Known as Sasquatch spider. Yeah, it was like <laughs> a little tarantula. Yeah. Like, but it very like a tarantula, but not quite as big. But it was much bigger than I felt comfortable about looking at. Like, <laughs> and we caught the thing for the kids. But then, in my efforts to be a naturalist to help them figure out what kind of thing this was and what the heck was going on, I spent too much time looking at it. And then I got myself into such a heebie-jeebie, like the hairy <laughs> legs of that thing. It was so, like, I kept looking at it, and then Luke was threw it back out into the front yard. We did not kill it. And I, and he was like, well, I'm not going to kill the thing just for being ugly, because he was, <laughs> he was like, it's not, it wasn't in our house. It wasn't encroaching, yeah. and apparently there, it's probably one of the kinds that kill other spiders, you know, yep. and, but it, it took me some time to stroll See, through our thing. front yard without feeling like <laughs> we're sitting, that was with we're me. We're sitting in a car outside your house looking at the plowed field and the snow's all melted so there's all the stubble and the, the sun is you know in, way in the south so it's got a little bit of a horizontal light. Yeah. And what you're going to see in the spring is you're going to see the entire fields go spider silk. Yeah. And when the, when the sun gets low 
between every every piece of stubble, as okay. far as you can see, it'll be silk, and it will glisten, and it's amazing. And when you try to get a sense of like we have millions of acres of this of these fields here, yeah, and every square inch of it is going to have a spider. So and much gonna, life, and they're, and they're little. And they're just working. They're just doing work, and they're doing work in their corner of the universe, which is as big as they think the whole thing is. Yeah. You know, this is where they're supposed to be. And so we, we you know, what we've it's done... It's kind of Puritan-like to look at everything and see in it. Like, to connect almost anything to who God is. Yeah. And, and the beauty of God's yep. design. And, like, this idea that there's a little creature doing exactly what it was meant to do to glorify God. Yep. And when you get a when you get a tank of air on your back, because for this for writing the dance too, we all the whole crew had to get scuba certified, and it took us three years to make this movie. And you you think every little square inch of this field in front of us, you know, for miles has got little spiders in it waiting to hatch out in the spring and do what they're supposed to do. When you put a mask on and you go underwater and you drop down, where until very recently people could never go and they could never see. And you get to these very inhospitable little corners and you find the exact same stuff happening. Yeah. You find creatures everywhere doing work, hilarious creatures, funny, <laughs> comical, busy little blue-eyed crabs, <laughs> wolf eels, which are incidentally some of the niftiest things we have in the movie. What is it? A wolf eel looks like the, it looks like most people don't. Fat faced, enormously fat faced. They look like the most crotchety old men. <laughs> You've ever seen? Are they like the blobfish? For no, they, they have the long bodies. The blobfish is like the great joke of the deep. Yes. So the wolf eels are super, like cartoony. Like they have absolute <laughs> cartoon faces, long bodies. They mate for life. Like there's two of Just them. Just little love stories yep. with the wolf eels. And, and so you, you meet these wolf eels, and there's a little old lady and a little old man. How did you two meet? Yeah. And they're down. Was it love at first sight? <laughs> And they find a crack. It was an arranged marriage. They will, they will, yeah. In the wolfiel world, and they we will don't get to marry for, for love. Like, and they will go down dark, where it's dark. <laughs> and they will go down where it's dark, and they'll find a crack. That could be your next challenge. And they will hang, they will hang out there for the rest of their lives. Why don't you be your next crack, challenge? The dark until, unless an a octopus pride and prejudice, runs them out. A pride and prejudice in <laughs> They will, and really, it's amazing. So they will, and we don't really even know how many offspring they have, but they can be hanging out up to 700 feet down in a crack where they just leave to get food they take turns one of them guards the eggs at all times the other one goes out and gets food and brings it back and they rotate and they, <laughs> they live for 25 years <laughs> and they're fish they're not actual eels but they look like they're long bodied so they look like eels and they look like you know grumpy old men they have oh the word. funniest look and you really you get down there and you realize that only god has been amused by this yeah for nobody thousands else. and thousands of years this was just between the wolf eels and God. And you go down, you find the crabs, and you look at the weird jellyfishes, and you look at all I the tube anemones throwing mm -hmm. shoulders I at each remember, other over rocks. I, I remember mean, seeing in a, I feel like it was a blue planet, or what's the one that's the winter one? What was it? There's one that was all the ice polar bear, polar bears sad are one? in it. Yeah. That's sad. Uh, the super yeah, the, sad ones. That was the one that made me really feel like it's so true that all of creation is groaning. Yep. Like that this is. But there was a there was a little worm in that. I'm probably retelling this all wrong. But all the poor things trying to get done is turn into a butterfly. It's yeah. just make or a moth of some kind. It's just trying to eat enough to make a cocoon 
to turn into a moth. But because of the difficult situations <laughs> that it finds itself in, it keeps getting frozen solid. Yep. So what happens is that spring springs Decades there pass. and it blasts out and starts frantically eating, trying to get ready to turn into a moth. And then it gets frozen solid again. And then it, and then uh, next spring it comes blasting out to try again. And it's like after something like seven years, yeah. it finally has eaten enough. And so then it thaws back out, <laughs> freaks out and makes a cocoon, freezes solid. And yep. then the next year, and then it comes out as a moth that lives for like three days. Yep. <laughs> like it, it finally is like, we did it! And, and then, then it, it dies. dies. And God says, well done. Good job. It's like, well good done. job seeing it through. Did, did the thing you were supposed to do and you just have to look at it and be like it's the same thing nobody saw that for forever and when no. you and then when they figure out what this poor creature has been going through all this time and you think like wow god is more interesting than more we, interesting i mean more fun more fun more beautiful more like everything is way beyond our capacity too so the i love the the humpbacks that we filmed for this because they are so silly and so enormous and you're talking about something that's the size of three school buses <laughs> really? and, yeah, oh, and it, it just imagine the water resistance trying to move three school buses through, yeah. through casually, water casually, casually through, through the water, water. trying yeah. to accelerate and then it decides <laughs> to jump and launch its entire body out of the water it's got to swim hard enough and strong enough to leap all that body out and the calculations on the amount of energy and calorie burn it takes to do it it's silly it's so silly and they're eating so that they don't have to eat for half the year or so so like wasting like if, if we're just talking about survival it's an enormous waste and so there's always these these big conversations between it scientists must be something practical about exactly what is it about jumping out of the water and landing with the force of a bomb and the impact yeah. of like, a bomb. I think it's that God wanted them to. Yeah, and the so yeah, the the concept of it's fun. They yeah. clearly enjoy it. <laughs> they obviously enjoy it. I think the closest practical explanation is that it gets itchy barnacles off. I'm like, <laughs> I kind I can see God making the ale okay, the whales I, itch enough that they have one, to like launch one themselves. One time, one time, and then we they were... sing, they sing, and they sing unique songs. Uh, and humpback they? whales, yeah, the males will sing. And the males will like accompany a female and a calf from like Hawaii to Alaska, and they will sing the entire way, <laughs> and they'll sing like a fifteen-minute song. Ninety-nine bottles of beer yeah, yeah, on a loop, a fifteen-minute song on a loop, and it's as loud as a jet engine, and you can hear it from miles through the water, and they just accompany them with this this song. Professional. I don't. I don't yes. Wow. I don't know how appreciated it is, but it's well. We, one it's, time, it's one done. time when we were at, down at the Snake River at that Kelly Bar where we would love to go, but one time when we were there, the carp were jumping. Oh yeah. And I had never really put my mind to the carp and what they were about. <laughs> so like, I think it kind of came so as hard, a surprise yeah. to me that there were carp in the Snake River. Like I was like, huh? Like, what are these big tanks of a thing? And but then they were. They were just being a surprise because there were so many of them. They were just slapping on the water. And I did look it up. And it turns out that the reason carp jump is to help get rid of some gas problems that they're having. <laughs> which I thought is, is exactly 
it is exactly the kind of coarse jest that <laughs> you're like it's a big ugly fish that's basically not even edible like it's only edible if you're having a life crisis like you're a dying bear. only if there's like yeah like in the only thing that eats this and it and it is just pretty tasteless in all the ways like, and then you think about how loud that slap is it's a loud about- slap uh, then, then have something the size of multiple school buses do it. Oh my word! And it's it Shocking. is rockingly enormous. It is like quite literally the impact of a bomb. So I did, mean, it's. Did you guys get footage of whales underwater? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty. Cool. I'm so, excited about humpbacks that. Humpbacks underwater, calf, uh, the leaping. But the thing is, the way we produce these things is that we go places and we and we say a prayer. Because we don't have the budget to go do what the BBC does and spend, yeah, you know, yeah. tons and tons and tons of money. Fourteen Actually, years also, filming them off. Also, staging things. They <laughs> That's hunt, what they, I was gonna say. They wildly stage things. This is the dirty secret of planet Earth and all that stuff. Yeah. We're dealing with tranquilized animals, radio tagged animals, radio tracked animals. Like really? They, oh yeah. Huh. They'll trank. They'll mm. they'll things will get tranquilized. Well, the one I remember, there was a preview, and it was a cool preview for um, one of those shows. But it was the little lizard that's trying to outrun the snakes. Yeah. But the thing that didn't work about that is the whole preview. Like it was it was quite cool. But you're like, you just switched camera angles. Yeah, where's the camera guy? The camera wasn't there a second ago. So. Actually, you're clearly... This is multiple runs. And you're being fifth grade boys about it where you're feeding lizards to snakes and you're, you know, you're filming the chase. That's not and good. So, but the thing is, so we just don't have... We, we go places and we know what we want to get, but we went to the Monterey Bay and it's like the time wasn't perfect because most of the humpbacks were in Mexico by that time of the year. Okay. And it's like, okay, we've got two days here. God, bring us whatever you want us to get. Yeah. So whatever you want us to show people, yeah, bring it along, and it's and so fun. And he delivered. Fun. He oh, delivered yeah. through two movies now. Yeah. Like through two movies now, we can show up on very tight timelines with tight budgets, and the stuff shows up. Leopards in Sri Lanka, you know. Mm, I mean, just so why the wild things we've seen, the crazy things we've seen that were not radio tracked. Right. We didn't get in helicopters and go exactly to the GPS coordinates and set up for it. We right. just had to go see if a buffalo was going to come by <laughs> I, I, go see if we could find cobras go see right, if I we am. could find these things and the whales they did their deeds the whales showed up they showed up great for us uh the sharks were amazing the manatees we tried to film in belize and they were not behaving they were not willing to do it and then our guide told us that they taste like bacon and we thought ah this might be why the manatees are not so friendly so because down here they get for bacon down here they get at um so we ended up we went to florida where there's some freshwater springs that are super warm year-round uh some people say in part because of nuclear reactors and so there's some nice really really clear warm water that the manatees love and in that water the manatees are like where they are not a bacon substance where nobody's looking to eat them they are friendly to the point of being a royal headache. <laughs> and there was this little female calf that just became extremely fond of our cameraman <laughs> and did not want to leave him alone. And she was wanting to snuggle with him. And it was like worming her way up like a reclining princess against his chest <laughs> and putting her head on his arm above the camera and putting her flipper on his cheek. 
it's just uh, so anyway so you they got were what a blast. you needed there's also massive it turns like sturgeon in our rivers oh yeah like we went and got we've we, got big sturgeon here we got in the water with a famous one named herman oh. and herman the sturgeon is he at the door shack and is that where he's herman? near bonneville in oregon oh, is he okay. radio tagged how do you no, know actually so with herman was herman was a an oregon legend Okay. And then they started caring for him, and they took him to 50 state fairs. He appeared at 50 Oregon what? state fairs, and he became a little too famous. Yeah. And so various drunk rednecks attempted to kidnap him, fishnap him, shoot from, him, stab from where? him. Uh, from his tank, where oh, they yeah, had tank. him. Okay. And so they eventually, in the 80s, after 50 years of this, you know, they were like, you know How what? How long does this thing live? Um, like a very long time. Okay. So the sturgeon live. They get they get to be real old. Yeah, then, they get to they? be real old and real big. They don't have teeth, mm-hmm. so they're they're just massive, okay. slow moving dinosaur looking fish. They are just dinosaurs. So they moved him to a pool near the Bonneville Dam in Oregon, and they just don't let him go make appearances anymore. And so he's got Man, some friends in there. He must be feeling a little like a has been. Yeah, no, I think he's pretty content. <laughs> they just the throw, they throw old Herman the has been. So we, they let he us. Used to be a famous sturgeon. Yeah. They now, let us, now I'm just stuck here. Yeah, I, I love the fact that we, we got so we got to scuba dive with Herman in his pool with his friends. How big is Herman? Uh, twelve feet ish at this boy. point. Herman. Plus or minus eleven <laughs> to twelve. It's pretty huge. Herman the sturgeon and he's very they're very bony. Yeah, they have got these ridges and spines like dinosaurs. They really look ancient. Uh-huh. Um, and it's super cool. So we had a we had a lot of fun doing this. And now we just have to get the word out. So Well, so that's why I'm here. So you're here to tell us all to do it. And where do they go to sign the, up? What I really want is I want but in my experience, administrators of schools, male administrators of schools especially. Uh, kind of tend to keep their eye on the ball. They keep their head down. They do one thing, and it is the moms who can be well, be, who can throw a party, who, who can throw a party, and who can be the yeast that makes the thing happen. You know, it's like it's yeah. so that's that's why I wanted to talk to you all is because we would love for the word to get out to the co-op organizers and to the administrators totally. and to the pastors and the deacons of all your churches to say you can host a showing. And this so is so I great... still I still hear from people saying so. How do we know which theaters it's showing in? It's like, well, it's showing in whichever one you want. <laughs> it can show in classrooms, sanctuaries, swimming pools, wherever you want. So just make sure your groups, your communities and churches and schools and co-ops Where do they know need they to go? Just Riot and the Dance. Riot and the Dance.com. So that's easy, guys. Yeah, RiotandTheDance.com. And it will be really, it will be fun for everyone to... I'm and if super you need excited. to leave the room during the water beetle scene, just know your kids will love it, and you can go get some snacks. <laughs> make you're sure not you get some juice boxes. Get some juice boxes. A snack is not the thing you're gonna be wishing for at that time. Bring your own emesis bag so that you can yeah. be sick the, uh, while watching. It is funny though because doing this, like writing fiction and having this urge to make nature documentaries, they don't really merge. Those two things don't quite overlap. I think they do. But the coolest, yeah, well, I do too. But the, the coolest things I've gotten to do or see in my entire life have all been doing this. Yeah. Like chasing animals around with a camera to show children has yeah. just been... Just the hot stuff right Way there. too much fun. Yeah. And I probably, I was scuba diving for this right before my brain surgery. And I probably won't ever scuba dive again after. And I am so glad I didn't know. Yeah. 
and that yeah. I could do it. That I got to go actually do this stuff and get slapped by a sea turtle and yeah, you did a shark all of that. and That's do all these fun. things when the deep was going to be sort of off limits for me mm-hmm. again soon. Mm-hmm. So it's been uh, yeah, it's been very very fun. And Gordon, Uncle Gordon, has done a great job. He's very much his his folksy his folksy self mm-hmm. as he guides mm-hmm. as he guides kids around. So. Very fun. I'm super excited. Right well, I should say, we talked about our fears of things, but I just feel like this is the time that I want to tell a story, which is that both Becca and I developed a later childhood fear of moths. Yes. Yeah. But it came about because the three of us were being babysat at our aunt and uncle's house by a different aunt and uncle, but it was Gordon mm-hmm. and Meredith were babysitting us at Emma Leslie's house. Yeah. And they, it was this old house and we were in the upper floors by some big pine trees. These are not things that I know to be important. They just feel important now. And it was a really big window and it was the dog days of summer. And our aunt Meredith, we were all in sleeping bags on the floor in this upstairs room. And she opened the window because because it was so hot in there, and then because we were in a place we didn't know and everything, she turned on a desk light, but then it was glary, so she pointed it at the window, and I think none of us thought at the time of that what might, what open, might happen. Open window, light open window, open. open window without a scream. Yep. And it, what happened is that we sort of came awake, like four in the morning, four in the morning, in the, in the early dawn light, and. We, the entire situation was so mothy, so mothy that you can't even. They just had settled they on were, the but floor. But they were still on they the were, walls. They were all the over curtains. the curtains. They were all over our sleeping bags. They were all over the floor. Uh, I, I remember and I woke up first. It was a velvet carpet. I tried, so I tried to go over to wake you guys up. And I remember trying to walk across the room to wake you up crunching you on couldn't there was no bare floor across but see i think that this is actually even i don't understand that i've never seen anything like that no. here so that was really bizarre that you that should happened. open your window and take out the screen and shine a light outside all night see, You'll and see, it again. See if we <laughs> <laughs> well i remember us getting up for whatever reason we were in a foreign place and we were not sure what somehow we felt that this was probably our fault and we needed to deal with it because i remember we set to work like picking moths off, off of the, the curtains, curtains yeah. and throwing them out the window and they were all like asleep and it was one of these things where <laughs> until you picked them off the curtain where it was really gross at the time but not got a nearly we as tried to sweep them. yeah did we we i remember hunting <laughs> around in the in the, like, we the dead of the night trying and, to find a well, it was early, and then we early met, dawn. We met but... in the library to talk about what should we do. <laughs> and then we went and got the broom and we had a, a real trial oh. of a time. And then never after that was I quite and cool with the moth. swept up ourselves a little moth tornado. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't I For some that. reason, I'm still fine with moths and you both. No, a, I just... I, I actually a came, true moth phobia. I actually came out of my moth phobia with being a mother because I felt like I could not impart this to my children. I'm so still firmly I not. Act, I act really casual about it now, but inside I hate it. No, but no. on the outside I say, hey, just kill it. And then I'm like, let me go hide. <laughs> 
The thing is, I had that trauma with moths, and then another moth flew up my nose. But Becca, you got the moth up your nose because when once something knows you hate it, yeah, it finds you out, it seeks you out. Yeah. And I one time tried to be brave. Told, there is a god, and yeah. he likes to. Yeah, but see, at you. Becca one time, so we, in her room upstairs, she was like, "Ah, there's a moth in my room, and it's spazzing all around." I was like, you "Don't said worry." Asterisk spazzing. Sorry, asterisk. <laughs> and I, and I was not like, offensive, guys. I'm gonna, spaz. I'm gonna overcome this. And I was like, don't worry. I'll handle it. And I'm like, I can rise above. I can kill a moth. Becca doesn't like it, but I, I will be the one who's reasonable. And I went and got up on a chair to try to get this thing <laughs> off of the ceiling. And because it knew my heart, knew my fear, it just shoots straight off of the ceiling and lands on my lip. Of like, <laughs> when does that happen? That does not happen. And I left off the chair and I ran down the stairs the whole way going <laughs> <laughs> So in the end, I looked like the fool. I was going to be the brave oh, one, worm. but I did not carry the day. Instead, I was a dork. So, well, Nate, thank right. you for joining us yeah, to tell thanks. us about thanks, Riot the Dance. Thanks, and thanks. everybody... You should watch Riot in the Dance. You should be part of this fun time with Uncle Gordon and and all these interesting people we happen to have here in town who got scuba certified to go do <laughs> scary deeds in the water so that they could understand more of our God and the world he made. So join us in watching it. When does it release? Uh, release is March 6th, but if you order it before February 14th, there's lots of free swag. Oh, okay. you want the swag. The coloring books and the adventure books and all the stuff we throw in for free if you order before Valentine's Day. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you all cool, for coming, cool. and we'll Ride see you next time. Bye. Bye.